thought at some point there was a usage for the idea of fearing love and death, being that they aren't mutually exclusive, but now it seems to be only a passing memory. Anyway, it's time for my usual routine. Go downstairs, make breakfast, and water the flowers. Society doesn't really seem to function as well as it used to. The roar of passing vehicles, the incoherent chatter of people walking by, and any other man-made sound drop from a wave to a whisper to nothing at all. After my wash, I decide to go and see my mother downstairs. They allowed me to stay at their farm for a duration due to a brief stint within an institution. But I think it's the owners who are really insane, depriving me of the food and drinks that I so desperately need. I suppose it's lucky that my parents knew people that could get me out, and I'm glad for it. All white is not my style at all. What's for breakfast, mom? Also, can I have a coffee? Uh, the special one that you make. I say as I clumsily walk down the stairs, still half asleep. There was no response, which wasn't unlike her. I step into the living room and find her sitting on the sofa. A vacant stare adorned her face, eyes that are gray and plastic. Her skin was shallow and sagging. She must not have been well. I clear my throat and lightly tap on the doorframe, but her head doesn't move. Seriously? Look, I'm sorry about what I said last night, but with the way things have been recently, I just lose my temper quickly. Still, nothing. Sighing and turning away while trying to see if she moves within my periphery, I reside to the kitchen to go make myself a cappuccino. I see my father sitting at the table, having the same expressionless face as my mother. Oh, for fuck's sake, you too? I snap as I stick the kettle on and fill my mug from the coffee pot. Seriously, you guys are the ones who made me and now treat me as though I never even existed. Can I at least get a look in my direction? I walk behind him and prod him on the shoulder. He slumps forward, his head smacking onto the table with a loud crack. I have had enough. Finish my coffee and power walk up to my room, but there was something that I forgot, a special ingredient. Remembering this, I run to my bathroom, grab the teaspoon that I left at the side of the bath, and hold the cup over the bath so I don't ruin the floor. I think I drained enough blood to last me for a week or two. The iron, salted texture really brings out the sweetness. I think this time I'll add two spoonfuls. I take a sip and it tastes just as I imagined. Luckily, my mother and father have just the right type to tantalize my taste buds. I'm so glad we live so remotely. Wouldn't want their smell to offend any neighbors. I guess I'll have to move them soon. They aren't as heavy with their organs removed. But I suppose I'll just have to wait until they decide to talk to me again. But anyway, I feel this coffee deserves a good snack. Coincidentally, my timer goes off and I wander down to the kitchen. As I put on gloves, I open the oven and take out the tray. The meat has cooked just enough, not too raw and not too overcooked. Another thing I feel thoughtful for as mother and father gave themselves to me. Well, they didn't say, but I just sort of assumed I could. After all, parents are supposed to provide for their children. I think I will let my tool sit in the washing bowl for just a little longer as I slurp down my drink, picking out bits of sinew out my teeth. The water is an orange type of color. I stare at it before placing my mug on the counter side. Like I said, I thought at some point there was a usage for the idea of fearing love and death, being that they aren't mutually exclusive. But now it seems to be only a passing memory. It started as a normal day. 
I woke up, brushed my teeth, brushed my hair, ate cereal, got dressed, and drove to school. When I got there, something was obviously off. I mean, if you didn't see anyone at your school, would it be off to you too? My first thought was that I had come too early, or maybe it was a holiday. I checked. 7.45 a.m. I was on time. It was just any other Wednesday. No holidays, no PTA meetings. I went to my home room. No one was there. There were backpacks sitting next to the desks. There was writing on the board. It was as if everyone had just vanished into thin air. I walked around the school for a little while, looking in the different classes, peeking in the storage rooms, opening and entering places I had never been before. I looked in the cafeteria, the courtyard, all the classrooms, the track and soccer field, and even the break room. No one was anywhere. There was one place left to check. The gym. I jogged across the cafeteria, through the double doors that led to the 10th and 11th grade classes, and down the corridor that led me to the auditorium and gym. I peeked inside the auditorium and saw no one. I walked inside the gym. Everyone was sitting there. Some were in chairs in the middle of the floor, some on the bleachers, some were standing. Every single person. The 493 students, the 173 staff, the five security guards, and even some parents. All of them were there. The strange part was that even with the 493 students, 173 staff, and five security guards, and some parents, it was completely silent. The only sound was the door opening and closing. My breath quickened. My heart beat faster. It was suddenly so eerie. What made it worse that everyone, literally everyone, was staring at me, not blinking, not talking, not pointing or laughing, just staring. It was petrifying, absolutely morbidly horrifying, petrifying. It sent my anxiety through the roof. It made the hairs on my arms straight. It gave me goosebumps and sent chills down my spine. I made my way to one of the chairs and begun to take my backpack off while all their eyes stared at me, gaping at me like I was an alien. Before I could sit down, I heard someone say, Run. It was almost a whisper. I wouldn't have heard it if there was any noise at all. I don't know who said it or why, but they did. It was enough for me. In one swift movement, I swung my backpack on and kicked my chair behind me. Suddenly, everyone in the room was standing and walking or running towards me. They hadn't taken their eyes off me. I sprinted out of the gym, down the corridor, through the cafeteria, down the main lobby, out the front door, through the parking lot, to the gas station across the street. When I got there, no one was there either. I swiped a few bottles of water from the freezer, tossed them in my backpack, and grabbed a few bags of chips too. I hid in the bathroom the moment I saw them exit the building. I locked the door. I barricaded with a rack full of toilet paper rolls. I pushed my body against it. I turned off all the lights and was as quiet as I could be. I spent a week in that room. Eventually, I got the courage to come out. When I did, no one was there. Nothing was abnormal. The clerk was serving a customer and waved a cheery hello to me. I was trembling. I walked out and downtown to the police station. I told them my story and they kept me there until my parents came to pick me up. They thought I was crazy. It took me two months to go back to school. I don't know what happened or why. Maybe I got caught in a temporary loophole that sent me to an alternate universe. And once space realized it, it just sent me back. I don't know. Maybe it was real. Or maybe I'm crazy. I have lived in fear of the starers ever since. I don't leave my house without a backpack of fully stocked survival gear. Am I crazy? 
Or am I sane? You okay, buddy? Yeah. You sure? You're breathing heavy. I'm okay. Good, relax. It'll go quicker that way. To start, I just need some basic information. Basic? Simple things. Okay. Let's start with an easy one. What's your name? Roy. Roy what? Fromir. Well, Mr. Fromir, how old are you? Sixteen? Go to school? No. Why not? Dunno, just don't. Live alone? No. You live with your mother and your brother Bill, don't you? Yeah. Good, good. You're doing fine, but now I need to ask some harder questions, okay? Can you handle that? Yeah. Good boy. Your brother Bill's in some hot water, isn't he? He's been accused of something bad. Uh, accused? He did something bad to that little girl, Jenny Connor. Oh. To be frank, Mr. Fromir, I think you might know something about that. That's why you're here today. I think you have a story about Bill and that little girl. I... Don't be shy. I... Relax, you aren't in any trouble. Just answer me one question. Did you see Bill take Jenny into the woods? I didn't see them. Really? I saw Jenny. Bill was home. You say you saw Jenny go into the woods, but Bill was at home. Yeah. Mr. Fromir, I find that a wee bit hard to believe. You know we found Bill's jacket in those woods. We found his jacket soaked in about a pint of blood. Jenny's blood. We found her too. Funny enough, she was just a few yards away. We took some pictures. Want to see? Pictures? Of the body. Want to see? No. No, I expect you don't. They're not pretty. But nevertheless, they beg the question. What was Jenny's blood doing on Bill's jacket? And why do a dozen witnesses claim to have seen them leave together from the football game? Witnesses? Mr. Fromir, I know you followed them from the field. We have it on CCTV. So I ask you again, did you see Bill take Jenny into the woods? I... did you? I didn't. I think you're lying. Bill was home. We got together from football. Bill said take Jenny home. You took Jenny. It was cold. Bill said take Jenny and take my jacket. I said let's go to the woods. Jenny said no. It made me mad. I pushed her. She hurt her head. What? I hit her in the woods. I was scared. I didn't want trouble. She woke up. She was mad and screaming, so I hit her. Hit her, so she shut up. And the jacket? Jacket? Bill's jacket. I hid it. Where? Under my bed. Price, no, not under your bed. Think. For once in your life, fucking think. You hid it in the woods. I hid it in the woods. Yeah, don't forget, it's important. Sorry. When they ask for real, you have to remember. I'm sorry for yelling. I hate seeing you made a fool of is all. I know, Bill.